The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Diamonds in the rough or cubic zirconia? Mike Gianella from Baseball Prospectus helps us look at some of the breakout players that are drafted after post 200, like 200th pick and ADP. Coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Mike Gianella from Baseball Prospectus. Mike, welcome to our annual talk. Hey, hey yeah, it's great to be here. Um, you know, it's funny. I listen to you or, or a Rotowire podcast like maybe twice a week on my runs, and I listen to one and a half speed. So I was like, why is the song so slow? And I'm like, oh, okay, it's, it's live. <laughs> and it's at mortal speed. That's right. Uh, I do the same when I'm walking the dog in the mornings. Uh, I'll listen to... You know, you know, I, I, there are so many great podcasts right now I that I probably listen to like one one hundredth of the good content that's out there. Uh, in part because just there's a bandwidth issue, and in part, I kind of feel like I don't want to steal other people's stuff. So sometimes I don't listen just so I can come up with my own takes. Yeah, so I don't listen to you and Scott until after I write my fab column, and partially yeah. it's because I don't want it's the same thing. I don't want to seem like I'm stealing from you. Sometimes I come up with the same stuff organically, which you know happens. We've both been doing this a right. long time, but yeah, I, I don't want it to be like, oh, like this sounds way too much like what Jeff and Scott were talking about, which yeah, it almost can't be helped. Yeah, and that, that's I mean we all look at the same stats to start off with there in the same player pool, so it, it's easy. It's it's tough to be original sometimes, but uh, it's also yeah. a good problem. It just means we're a growing industry, uh, a maturing industry. Uh, and you and I have been doing this for a really long time. How long did how long ago did you get started with BP? I've been with BP now ten years, believe it or not. So okay. before that, if you remember, I had like my own blog for a few years. Yep. So I've yep. probably been doing this for about. 15 years total, but I was, I've been with BP for, for 10 years. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love BP. Uh, you know, from the, from the inception, I, you know, I'm still really good friends with Joe Sheehan, uh, with a lot of the good folks there. Uh, Christina Carl is obviously, uh, one, uh, awesome, a huge impact, even though, even when they don't do fancy specific content, uh, it's always impactful for what they've done for how I've approached fantasy and just in consuming baseball. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jay Jaffe was there, like, as I yep. was, he was kind of leaving as I was coming in. I mean, he's great. I mean, and then some of the younger people now, like Robert Orr, 
um, you know, Mike Hedo, there, there's just, it's just so many people come in and out of there and it's, it's just a great like place to, to kind of cut your teeth or, you know, some people just do it part time, but just so much good analysis for sure. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Let's talk about some of the news items before we get into our uh, factor flukish type of discussion. Um, I don't want to steal from baseball. Speaking of feeling from baseball HQ's uh, title uh, that would I'm always on the panel for first pitch Arizona for factor fluke. So diamonds in the rough or cubics or Coney guys. Can we count on them after the breakouts? But before we do that, uh, a couple of top items. Uh, Chris Bryant, unfortunately, went on the IL uh, today with a heel bruise uh, retroactive to yesterday. Uh, he battled plantar fasciitis in this same foot last year. Uh, obviously it was a huge problem for him. Yeah, you know, and he's, I hate the injury prone label, but it just always has been something with him, like especially the last two or three years. And it, it's it's the thing too, where when he's on the field, it seems to impact his production. He's never really been the hitter that he was mm-hmm. like for those one of the Cubs where he was, I won't say elite, but like close to elite. Right. Um, and you know, it's just, he's the power. Where's the power been since going to Coors Field? Really weird how that's just disappeared. True. Although the, the funny thing I remember about him is that he never was like a big exit velocity guy. So it wasn't a bad one. Like he's not Nicky Lopez, but he also never was like at the top of the pops where he was like just hitting the ball really hard. It always seemed like more, he was a smart hitter, like good approach, like a gap hitter certainly had over the fence power, but I think it's, I'm more surprised at the average. Like I really thought going to cores was going to make him into like an elite average hitter. And it didn't really do that either. No, it sure didn't. And you know, that's where it usually helps you a lot. But, uh, and last year he did hit for average despite the lack of power. In fact, he, you look at his numbers and you're like, Oh, he slugged 475. That's not so bad. It's just the home run category that you're like, Oh, and in the fact that he didn't hit one at all at cores, uh, is, is a little concerning, but, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, the Rockies, uh, they, they're getting Charlie Blackman back on their uh, from his bereavement leave. Uh, the Rockies, I always have a hard time figuring out what they're doing anyhow. They they signed Bryant, but then trade away Arenado. They there just wasn't that next step. Like I, I can't figure out what they're doing. Yeah, I mean Nolan Jones, he's not the greatest player in the world, but I, I thought he'd be up earlier. It was just kind of a little surprised yeah. that they just sent him down for two months. And yeah, at a different organization, it wouldn't matter. You'd look at him and go, oh well, I see why he's blocked. But in Colorado, mm-hmm. especially after Crone went on the IL, I thought, well, right away you'd see him. And I mean, he's up now, but yeah, I, I, it's a team I don't really like having too much investment in for that reason, unless it's a proven veteran, because that seems to be who they like, where I, I don't like investing in Rockies because it's like, I just don't trust them. Yeah, that's right. And um, I, I'm kind of of uh, that same point. And it's, it's fun to poke fun of them, but uh same time uh yeah it, it, we still have to use them as part of our player pool and still i want to get them right and that's really it's i'm always just a little off on some of these guys uh that are coming yeah. back i didn't see brent it's Doyle a great fan. well let's say too it's a great it's a great fan base too so like it, it's fun to yeah. poke fun at the team but like they've got so many loyal fans it's a great place to see a game like i, I just kind of feel for the fans there Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I mean, the, the, you, you see their attendance numbers are always good. I mean, the field, the, the course field is beautiful. Um, unfortunately I only got to kind of like peek in from the outside. So the last, the only time I've been to course field was around it. And it was during the COVID lockdown in, in 2020, we did a, mm-hmm. you know, there was one point where the numbers were down, right? So we did a road trip. We did like Zion. Uh, we did, did Denver, we walked around Coors Field. We peeked in through the gates, and that's all. We couldn't see any baseball, unfortunately. 
Yeah, I've, I've never been inside either. Like I've, I've been to Denver many years ago, but it was not during the baseball season. So I've never been in there either, but it looks, it looks beautiful from the outside. For yeah, sure. it does. It does indeed. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton coming off the IL probably going to be limited to DH duty. Uh, they, uh, he, he was out for seven weeks with this strain left hamstring, which unfortunately is something we've seen before with him that he's had these long absences due to muscle injuries. Uh, big weekend against the Dodgers coming in, and he's from there. He really wanted to get back in time for this series. Didn't have much of a rehab start, a uh, rehab assignment. Yeah, so I saw him. I was there Tuesday for the little rehab that he had. I was um, in Somerset, New Jersey, which is the Yankees double A, and I saw him and, and Josh Donaldson and Tommy Conley. And that doesn't tell you much. Like those guys, especially Donaldson, you could see in his body language, he just didn't want to be there. I'm not saying that Donaldson. I think a lot of players are like, yeah, I just want to stay healthy. I'm getting my reps in, you know, I'm not here to, to go four for four or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, stands back and he's certainly useful when he's healthy. Like we know he can go on a, a big streak. Um, I, I think for the you know audience here that you have, Jeff, like, you know, NFBC, like 15 team mix with no, you know, no drops. He's just kind of tough sometimes because I imagine a lot of people hang, hung on to him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how, how long is he going to be healthy? Like when when is he going to get hurt again? I'm not saying he will, but if I had to place a bet on it, I'd. I'd say there's a chance. Yep. I'd say, uh, I'd say it's plus, I'd say it's, uh, you're, you wouldn't even be able to get plus money for him not going on, uh, or I should say you wouldn't be able to get plus money saying he he'll go on the DL again. It's likely he'll be on the IL again at some point in time. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, man, no, such pure power when he gets on a roll, you really want that capture that there too. It's uh, it's the tricky part and he qualifies at outfield this year. Won't play there, but he qualifies. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, the other thing too, you're right. When he connects, like, I don't know if there's a player or maybe there's like one or two other players that's as exciting when he actually connects with the ball. And you're like, I can't believe what I just watched. You know, ball goes out like 115, 116 miles an hour for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Um, all right. Uh, one other injury note. Um, and this one, we're still waiting to see if there's a uh, transaction that's going to happen to Justin Steele, who is going to be on our list as a guy, as a breakout guy. Instead, we're going to talk about as an injury guy now. He left yesterday's start with after three innings with a forearm issue. He's going to get an M- MRI today on that one there. Such a nice start to the season. Really hate seeing this. Yeah, the weird thing about it, like I was watching the game and I was on Twitter, like a lot of Cubs fans noted he was shaking his arm like in the third inning, but it almost seemed to be more of a, oh, like I'm just uncomfortable or and I don't think he called for the trainer. But then, yeah, like afterward, you know, he they took him out, you know, he didn't come back and, you know, it just sort of makes you wonder. I'm not blaming the Cubs. It just more, sort of makes you wonder if something was wrong, you know, before that. Yeah. Yeah, and he wasn't very good in his previous start against the Reds. He was actually pretty good yesterday before getting hurt, though, against the Rays. Uh, you know, three, I think he had three no-hit innings before he left the game. So, uh, yeah, kind of a real bummer there because he was a breakout guy. Uh, we'll use that as kind of our bridge to uh, real, or, real or something uh, to kind of sell high on here. Uh, Justin Steele and his breakout, were you buying on this? Was, was this a new level for him or was this a heat hot streak? Um, I mean, it was probably a bit of both. Um, first of all, I think Steele was better than like we thought he was coming into the season. Like he, he's a good pitcher. He's capable. Um, he's very good at tearing ground balls. However, this level, and this is often what happens to these pitchers the first third of the season. I don't think this was necessarily sustainable. Um, I don't say he's getting lucky, but there, there's definitely some like batted ball luck at play where he wasn't going to continue pitching at this level. And I think you pointed out like one of his last starts and there was one before that. 
uh, before the three no hit innings, you'd kind of seen some slippage a little bit. And mm-hmm. the thing with Steele is he he lives and dies by the ground ball, and that's that's kind of what happened in in those two games. And I'm I'm kind of scrambling to see which two they were now. It was the, uh, yeah, it was the Reds, and then it was you know at Houston, which is certainly a tough opponent. Oh, as you pointed out, not as tough as you know they they seem to be sometimes based on where they're ranked. But right. yeah, in those two games, like he you know didn't didn't keep the ball on the ground, and I don't think he really has strong enough stuff to to survive that you know unlike some pitchers where it's a pop out or you know even a deep fly ball exactly exactly so uh unfortunately can't trade him now we'll wait and see uh the results of the mri you're going to need to see him pitch a few times before we make any other actions involving him uh so that's unfortunate uh we're going to hit up the diamonds or cubic zirconia uh, discussion in a second here but first quick note from our blue wire sponsors We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Thank you uh, for your indulgence there. Uh, for those of you listening live, it's only a couple seconds. For those of you on podcasts, we appreciate you listening to the ads. Blue Wire hosts all of our podcasts, uh, uh, the Roto-Wire podcasts. We really do appreciate them there. Uh, let's talk about some of these uh, guys that are, po- you know, 
guy post 200 picks that are really busting out starting off uh already seen questions in the comments about him it's josh young uh main event adp was 214 he's all he's done so far is hit uh, 295 with 12 homers 37 rbi snuck in a stolen base and 40 runs i mean i, I think that's a part of the uh aspect of young that we didn't expect with the runs and of course the high average what's your take on josh young well, I like him a lot. So he was already a good hitter who made some like real, like sustainable changes last year in the minors to improve his approach, um, ability to drive the ball. The question was, and perhaps is with him health. And that was the thing. He mm-hmm. never really had a full season. And there were questions about his durability. Like, could he keep it up? And, and was the health contributing to you know him not performing as well? You know, as you pointed out, and this is in my notes, like the, the lineup team context helps him a lot. Um, on, a, on a weaker team, middle of the road or worse team, he wouldn't have those runs. I do think the power slips. He, he's not going to hit like 40 home runs. But, you know, if you're if you drafted him where, you know, he went 25 home runs and 260 average, that, that's a pretty realistic expectation at this point for young. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of things in, in mind, too, that I like about him. Uh, K percentage last year was 38.2. Now, again, that was in just 26 games, 100 plate appearances. It's down to 28.3 this year. Gotta love that. The the the, the spike in the, uh, the 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 contact percentage, uh, the exit velocity, you know, the hard hit rate, all the barrels, all those are you know really positive uh, mentions if you look at his Statcast metrics. So you you love seeing that as well. So that, that indicates to me that. At least, you know, he's hitting the ball really hard. The question is, will he continue to hit fly balls at a 41% rate? You know, will he hit line drive? You know, it, he, he's hit a lot fewer line drive, uh, a lot fewer ground balls, I should say. About the same amount of line drives, a little less, but he's really getting some elevation on that ball. Will that continue? And will he continue to hit for that sort of uh, that hard hit rate? I think the hard hit rate will, will be close. The, the, the home runs are tougher just because you're right. Like he, he shouldn't be hitting this many home runs. The one thing I'll say from having seen him, and it's not like I watch him every day, but when I've watched him play, mm-hmm. it doesn't strike me like an Alex Bregman or Nolan Arenado situation where he's specifically selling out for power to to like one part right. of the park. Like it just looks more organic. Like it just looks like he's found his his power. And and as a result, again, that's why I don't think you know he's on pace for like 35 or 34 home runs or whatever it is. It, it, that's not going to keep up, but he, he should hit like another like 13 to 15. It's and again, where you drafted him, if you got him outside of the 200, and I think you brought this up because I, I got him in an, in an auction league, it was a 15 team mix for like three bucks. Like, I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I had a debate with a co owner and a score sheet team we manage, and it was young. I kept, I, I, I prevailed and we kept young over Alec Baum. Um, Baum went mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks, I was looking pretty close. Now, Baum's hurt, he went on the IL today. Uh, so that's something with his hamstring injury. We'll have to watch there a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm, let's suffice to say I'm pretty happy with my choice. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember who was, you know, it was, it was a, the end game summer who was left, but, and, and Brett Sarah, you know, president of baseball prospectus was the co-manager there at that point he was driving the, the actual auction piece, but, you know, I, I was kind of feeding him like who I didn't, didn't want. So it was a co-decision probably mm-hmm. 70% Brett, but yeah, I, again, I'm not unhappy with the choice. Yeah. Brett is, by the way, a fantastic dynasty player. I'm in, in, in a score sheet league with Brett. And unfortunately, we're in the same division. So like I won 100 games last year and I was 10 games out. I mean, it's like, you know, come on. Uh, and, and, I, I was in an honor, honor league with him once. And I, I he's part of the reason I left. It, he, it was just he didn't do well the first year, but he built that team for a year or two. And he just because of his knowledge of, of dynasty, he just won it going away. 
Yeah. So uh, make sure to give Brett a follow on Twitter. Uh, a good player. Good player. He's also in Tout Wars in the uh, mixed auction league as well. Which which Tout League are you in this year? You used to be NL, but I know you're drafting like you were you were online this year. Last couple. Yeah. Years, so right? I'm in the mixed draft uh, currently, and actually, um, I'm the defending champion of both that and Labor NL. Uh, oh. This year, I'm third in Tout Mixed, although it's a distant third from Seth Trackman, who is at the moment like wiping the floor with all of us. Uh, and in Labor NL, I'm bouncing between first and second with Doug Dennis of Baseball, Baseball HQ. Um, and Glenn Colton and Rick Wolf are right on our heels. That's a much more interesting race than Tout Mixed. But th- those are my two you know, industry affiliations. Yeah. And actually, I, I misspoke. You also were in AL Tout, in fact. During the pandemic, we did a couple, uh, you know, one of the online auctions. You pioneered the strategy that Doug Dennis perfected last year of completely punting starting pitching, just loading up on the hitting categories, doing well in the ratios and saves. You know, you did well with it. I think you finished third the year that you did it. And then Doug won it going away last year. Yeah, I finished fourth and it was like a 60 game season. So like, who knows like what would have happened? I, I think I mm-hmm. the pitching was fine. The offense is where I might not have gotten to, to the promised land. Uh, I will say that that's actually an old school, like Alex Patton strategy from the early eighties, like back when, mm-hmm. you know, in the American dreams league, Peter Kreutzer, you know, was one of the members of the top board is in that league too. Uh, th- that's an old school four by four strategy, like before the ratings requirements. And, you know, Alex figured out that you can pretty much just spend everything or almost everything on offense, you know, get one reliever on the cheap and then just get eight other $1 relievers. And you know, one or two of them just wind up like, you know, stumbling into saves and you win that you win ERA, you know you win whip and then you cruise on offense it's easier in four by four obviously i know you're in an old school right. four by four league i've heard you mention a few times it's doable yep. in five by five but the point you've made is the margin for error is, is pretty thin yeah and the thing is we have no innings requirement there and i think we've discussed that a couple times on on this pod and how that's controversial for some people i still think you got to get everything right to make it work out doug did get everything right last year or almost everything right you know, he got Aaron Judge at a $30 discount, first of all. Um, that 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 tends to help. Um, and then, you know, a couple other of those bats he also did. So the fact is, even though other people spent close to the same amount of money on hitting as he did, he he, he won the hitting categories going away, which was pretty impressive. But uh, at any rate, I thought, though, when you're giving up two categories, not one, wins and strikeouts, it's really tough to pull off. Yeah. And the other way you need everything to go right too is you need the teams behind you to all kind of be very good, but not excellent. And that's the problem. I think even more than nailing the strategy, which is if you do that strategy to perfection, you know, and you finish with, what is it? 98 points. Somebody could still finish with a hundred, 103 or whatever. And you come a close second. And I think when I analyzed it, it, it's almost a coin flip as to whether that will happen or not. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting strategy. I think it's a good strategy to ensure you're competitive as far as winning, maybe not so much. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that's the thing. It, 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 it's a margin for her, but you know what? It's one out of 12. Anyhow, that's your chances of winning a league in the first place. So you know, right. I, I feel like, all right, you give yourself a chance to be competitive and maybe you'll win. Uh, so I kind of like it that way. Uh, some chatter in the room about Spencer steer hit the go ahead Homer last night, batting fourth a lot. He's not at the same level as Young in terms of his uh, production for the season, but he's hitting 289 with eight homers, 28 RBI, and 30 runs. He was part of the prospect hall last year uh, for, that the Red, uh, in the Reds. Uh, they got that in the Tyler Malley trade and Christian Encarnacion Strand in that same trade. 
Steer, I mean, he's kind of a little fly in the ointment that the Reds are kind of like, okay, we'll give him the job now. He's he's ready now, but our big names are coming up later. He's at a point now where like, okay, we have to find a way to keep him in the lineup and get all of our other big big time prospects. Yeah, and, and I think they're at the point now, like you're right, like he's not like great or or ex, you know, he's not, certainly isn't somebody who should keep like, you know, um, or anyone else down, but he's earned his spot. And I have yep. to think even you know, when Joey Votto comes back and you probably know more about that potential timetable than I do, he's got to play somewhere. Like I almost feel more what's going to happen is somebody in the outfield is going to wind up taking a seat or at DH and, and they're just going to keep steer in there. Like they, they have to. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, maybe put steer in the outfield. Cause he's got a better arm than India. Uh, Jonathan India is kind of another fly in the ointment because he's not a great defensive second baseman, but where else do you put him? Cause you got to keep him in. I don't think they're going to trade him because I think that they're already dealing with some kind of backlash on that. And, and India is playing well in his own right offensively. So I, I, I don't think they'll, they'll part with India, but they do have to figure out where all these pieces fit eventually. And they've got more coming up in the, in the future next year, like Marte, like uh, Cam Collier, some others too. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have if you're a Reds fan. Like, it, it's great. And, you know, it's another city that I like. just – I felt bad, like, seeing what's happened there with the Reds. Like, I, I hope mm-hmm. they're competitive again. And I hope they – I'd say I hope they find the pitching, but it's really more – I hope Nick, Nick Lodolo is healthy and Hunter Green finds consistency because they already have some of the pieces. Unlike some teams where you're like, gee, where are they going to find the pitching? I think the Reds have it. It's just a matter of unlocking that potential. Yeah, and I hope Andrew Abbott's for real um... – take their time calling him up. Cause you know, I think there is a, you know, there, you know, you can, I seen, I've seen a lot of pitchers initially dominate when they hit triple a, and then they kind of hit a little bit of a lull. I want them to power through that lull a little bit there too. Um, but yeah, um, I, I do love seeing all this talent. It's fun to see all this talent, especially after how bitter I felt going into last season, right after the lockout, when they peeled off all these players, uh, to see it, the turnarounds happen so quickly. is kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely you know wish you luck. I'm a long-suffering Mets fan, so I know in the the lean years you you just kind of get bitter and grit your teeth, and but it's hard to go away. You know, it's hard to stop rooting for your team. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about your Mets. Big fill, uh, series right now with the Phillies. They won again last night. Carrasco pitched well. We've, he's pitched well his last two times out. Not dominant necessarily, but you know he he hasn't been getting hit getting hit hard either. He's you know he he's he's at least uh average starting pitcher which is something they struggled to get for a while yeah that's really all they need from him at this point especially with uh, max and, and verlander in the fold they they just need him yeah. to be kind of and and you know even Cody senga if he's as good as he's been like you know his last two of his last three starts against the rays and the phillies they just need to be like a solid four go out there give him five or six you know decent innings and if he can do that i think he'll be okay my my concern with carrasco i think now is just the age like the durability you know, it just got, has a lot of, let's say has a lot of miles on him. He's been hurt over the years, but he's just reaching that age where it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, got hurt or had to like, you know, just sit a couple starts. So the ceiling with him kind of is what it is. For sure. Uh, for, absolutely. So, um, I, I, and just, they're trying to work in their young players and figure out where all their pieces fit. You know, Vientos only plays against lefties for the most part, and he doesn't play a position. So I've been finding it difficult to roster him. I I, I have like I have him in the Rotowire staff keeper league, and I haven't activated him because he's just not playing enough. Yeah, the problem with Vientos, and, and there's the eligibility problem too, in most leagues where he still is a, a UT or DH only. 
but the Mets have a roster problem in that they have two DHs essentially. So yeah. on some teams, if you didn't have that, it's like, okay, well, we don't have a DH. We'll just play him there a lot. They have Dan Vogelbach, and I, I, I know Vogelbach's having a down year, but the issue more is that it just their, their roster has so much limited flexibility because they have both those guys. And you're right, Vientos yep. really can't play third, and, and Brett Beatty's there, so that's irrelevant anyway. And, you know, first base is blocked by a guy who, you know, is pretty good. So there just isn't a place for Vientos. As, as much as I like him as a hitter, we just haven't seen – I don't need a sack fly today, but we just haven't seen much from him. I think it's partially because when you're a young guy, we saw this with Francisco Alvarez at the very beginning – it's tough. It, you know, people talk about this all the time. Like if, if you're a veteran and you've been around a long time, maybe you get used to being a sub. Some of those guys don't even do that. But for young players, that's a very hard thing to get acclimated to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being on the, t- the wrong side of a platoon, especially like that is really difficult there. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see how they figure things out, but I, I feel like they're on the cusp of going on a run. And meanwhile, the Braves are vulnerable. So, uh, no, it could be a very interesting race. Uh, kind of a reverse of previous years where the Braves kind of made, made up the stagger. This year might be the Mets making up the stagger on them. Yeah, although I still think Atlanta is the favorite until I, I see otherwise. Like they're, they're sure. another team that even though they're stumbling now, that I, it's not difficult to see them putting it you know all together. Yeah, they just got to get one. They need one more pitcher, I think. Uh, one more starting pitcher. I think that, you know, going with three reliable starters is tough. If they can get Schuster a little bit better or Soroka looks a little bit better, then then I think they're in really good shape. So we'll see about that one there. Um, let's continue with our Diamonds or Cubic Zirconia list on hitters. Nolan Gorman, pick 399 uh, in terms of ADP. In other words, rare, you know, not often drafted in the uh, main event. So far, he's according to the Rotowire's earn auction value dollar tool, he's worth $24 in a 15 team 5x5 five five league, 13 homers, 41 RBI, four stolen bases, 22 runs, and now he's hitting 272. Um, are you buying into his renaissance? Yes, I, I definitely am. So, so Nolan Gorman, um, Robert Orr, I mentioned before, had a great piece on him at Baseball Prospectus last month. And what mm-hmm. he talked about was Gorman's struggle with the high fastball. So he just mm-hmm. couldn't catch up to it. And it's something that, you know, it's not limited to Gorman. A lot of hitters have trouble with that pitch. And he's swinging less at those pitches this year. But what he's really done is he's made a, a swing um, adjustment and a stance adjustment where he's in less of a crouch. And, you know, if you go find the article, you know, that Robert O wrote, you know, his hands are higher. So he's getting to the ball more quickly. And when he connects, he's generating more power. Yes, the pitchers will adjust. They always do. But the bust he was last year is gone. Like Gorman's legit. He'll have some average struggles here and there and, and go through some streaks. But the, the power is real. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, common thread here is, too, like they made their debuts last year. They struggled a little bit. Uh, and in year two, they're a little bit. Of, it's not quite post hype, but it, it is a little bit of post hype. I think with Gorman, it is. Um, the NFBC is rolling out second chance drafts. Uh, basically, uh, you know, they, I think the play, I think. The, the stats start accumulating uh, next Monday um, and young went at a pick 100 Gorman at pick 94. So uh, that's only four leagues so far, but you know, in the, at least in these cases, the drafters think they're for real. Yeah. I mean, that might be a little aggressive and, you know, I, I think I heard you 
talking about this with Fred Zinke and in, in, in that podcast, Fred was talking about like kind of the recency bias. And mm-hmm. actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't you and Fred. It was, uh, <laughs> this is where I get my podcast picked up. It was Ito Saris and uh, Derek Van Riper on the Athletic Podcast. Okay. Uh, but they were talking about the same concept. They were talking about, you know, we, we have recency bias. You know, we really can't help ourselves. However, with, with Gorman in particular, maybe that's a little overvalued. I, I don't think it's it's particularly crazy. Like we, we talked about coming into the season, how second base was kind of thin at the top and kind of thick at the bottom. There aren't many second basemen that Gorman at the moment, I'd say, is definitively worse than. Like he probably is like a top six, seven second baseman. Yeah, uh, and it, it speaks to the position too, right? Uh, that it, it's yeah. it's really been a case where we haven't had too many solid second basemen. Jazz Chisholm obviously qualifies there, but isn't a full-time second baseman, and he's hurt. Would you rather draft Jazz Chisholm for what, what's left of the season or Nolan Gorman for what's left of the season? I, I still think I'd rather have Jazz. I know there's some risk because he's coming back from an injury, but particularly in a roto format, those, those steals, and yeah, I know more people are running, but the potential for those steals makes it really mm-hmm. difficult to pass up on him. I know there's some average risk, but it's not like Gorman's a high average guy either. So it's closer than it was before the season started, but I think I'd rather still rather have jazz. Yeah. This, this list of the second chat uh, chance uh, ADPs is fascinating to me. I'm just looking and sorting by second base. Semyon's first, no surprise there. Well, actually it is a slight surprise because there's the guy that now qualifies at second that's going after Semyon and that's Mookie Betts. Yeah, you know, I I have bets on a team. It's the same team with Young, and I, I forgot for a second he was, like, middle infield eligible. And, you know, I asked Brett, like, why is this other player on our bench? And he's like, oh, it's because we have Mookie Betts in middle infield. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that'll that'll do it. Like, that, that definitely yeah. – yeah, and, and Betts is funny because he's one of those players – I know the speed has dropped off with him, but – every year he's just so like good and, and like kind of top of the pops and he's not quite a five a full five category guy because he's not running nearly as much, but he's still, he's still elite. So I, I could see a case for bets over, over semi, particularly because in a five outfielder league, having that flexibility to go back and forth with bets between outfield and middle infield is, is big. Indeed. It really is. It's huge. Especially like, yeah, you get basically seven, you get, seven slots that you can do eight if you count ut so eight spots that you can use them in that's that's huge that's massive yeah oh yeah for sure yeah uh but so Semyon bets altuve's third nico horner is the fourth second baseman on average drafted here ozzy albies who hit his 11th homer yesterday is fifth and then jazz and then gorman so uh a meteoric rise for gorman at the second base spot yeah, it's it's funny. I didn't even I didn't not even looking at the second chance ADP. I just kind of made an educated guess that Gorman was sixth or seventh, and that that sounds yep. like you know it's where he is about. All right. Yeah. Uh, this this guy is definitely a post type sleeper. Josh Lowe, uh, draft drafted at three eighty six on average. Man, what a great year he's having so far. Uh, I know Vlad Sedler, our good friend, was on uh, was on Josh Lowe. Not too many others were 304, 11 homers, thirteen stolen bases. 37 RBI and 28 runs. You, you might lose a little bit in like runs and RBI because of the raise factor and platooning, but he's been so good that you can't even platoon him right now. Yeah. So the, the thing about low is I, I was in on him last year and I, I have to admit I was, was mostly out. I did get him in an AL only. It was almost a bodies thing as opposed to really mm-hmm. wanting Josh low, but it is a classic case where the Rays are maximizing his ability by starting him like much more against righties. I know he's played a little bit against lefties and it's working. 
And it's a weird profile because the, the strikeouts have dropped, but he's still swinging a lot. He's swinging a lot more than he did last year. Um, so I, I feel like it's a case where he's exhibiting less patience, but the bat-to-ball ability of his is, is shining through as a result. Like sometimes we see that with players where they're too passive. They've got the bat on their shoulder, and then they fall behind in the count. I think Lowe is just being more aggressive, and the talent there is helping him. Um, the power, I think, is going to regress. He's actually not hitting the ball as – that much harder than he was last year, but he's going to run. Um, the other note about him is he kind of falls into that raised bucket where he doesn't hit yep. quite as well at the drop. His, his OPS there is under 800. Uh, in a 15-teamer, I don't think that really matters. In, in a 12-teamer shallower, it's just something to keep in mind if you're, you're playing lineups. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want to be able to use a guy in his home park. Um, it's uh, you know that that's really tough to try to avoid that. Now, you know that's why like you know Rockies pitchers obviously Coors always wins. But part of the thing is you can't even do like the the road starts thing. I know Gene McCaffrey has always been about big about finding home pitchers you can use in their home parks to begin with there. But uh, yeah, it, it it is a kind of a hidden factor there. Uh, two other hitters, real quick, before we hit the, some uh, breakout pitchers, Yandy Diaz and Jorge Soler. Diaz at 262, Soler at 288. Soler, I mean, let's face it, the power has always been there. Um, no surprise there. That, that home run in the World Series is still traveling. Uh, but still, uh, nice to see him healthy and producing. Yeah, so the, I think the pandemic did a number on all of us. I know it did on me because I, I forgot that the, the 48 home runs he hit was four years ago. It, it seems like yeah. it was much longer. And yeah, I know it was happy fun ball that year, but he's one of those players. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Carlos Quentin way back when, when Quentin, the rare times he was healthy, oh, the home run solar hits are home runs anywhere. Like they're, yeah. they're not cheapies. So as a result, you know, if, if he stays, the average is going to fall off. He's streaky. He should hit 35 to, to 40 homers. The, the rub with him, he's almost always hurt or he, he struggles. He had a back issues in April, I know we don't like back issues and that's the thing that makes me nervous about Soler. I, I hope he doesn't, you know, go into a streak or, or struggle and suddenly the back is ailing and you know, he goes from being out a week to being out a month. That That's probably my big, big concern with him. He's a power hitter. So back issues with, with a power hitter really kind of make me wary. The one note too about him, he, he has an opt out in his contract. I'm pretty sure if he is healthy the rest of the way or most ways he's, he's going to use it. Yeah. So that might, encourage the Marlins to make a trade if it gets to that. Although the, again, the Marlins are, are taking advantage of the slow start by the Phillies. They're still, you know, in, in contention for a playoff spot, maybe less inclined to uh, make any sort of trade. Although they just got smoked by the uh, Padres today, 10 to one. That's the thing about the Marlins. They either lose by eight or they win by one. Yeah. Their run differential isn't very good, but yeah, I think coming into today, they, you know, if the playoffs ended today, I know it's silly. It's June 1st, but they, they were in one of the wild card positions. Yeah. Exactly. Joe Musgrove finally had a good start. Uh, and the last two starts actually have been pretty good. 145 ERA in his last two starts. So maybe some signs of things turning around for the Padres. They started today 25 and 30, same as the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I always laugh because they, they had the bad mojo of, of or the Padres did of, of doing the crying Jordan on Clayton Kershaw after they beat him like yep. a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago. And, you know, since then, they they were terrible. I, I know one doesn't really have anything to do with the other, but I, I found that kind of funny. Yeah, absolutely. Instant karma. <laughs> yeah, Dodgers fans love to see that. That, that was for sure. Uh, catch a lot of that out here. Uh, before we move over to the pitchers, quick note from our friends at Rival Fantasy. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played. 
and they brought new games to the ballpark this year that fancy players won't find anywhere else. Rival fantasy games include fantasy bingo, head-to-head player challenges, and fantasy book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, daily fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code RotoWireMLB at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. All right, Jeff Erickson here with Mike Gianella from Baseball Prospectus. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Gianella. Um, and it is right. Uh, yeah, it is. Okay, I just want to make sure. I, sometimes I say that and then I, I look again. It's like, oh, he has a different handle. But no, it is at Mike Gianella. And of course, check him out at Baseball Prospectus. We're looking at players that are breakout guys post 200. And are they for real? What sort of value can we place on them compared to their peers? Uh, Mitch Keller incredible season so far uh but he was drafted at pick 273 in the main event man you, you you're loving what you got out of him especially in terms of strikeouts yeah i'm a little sad because i think with the exception of one of these pitchers on your rundown i i don't have them anywhere uh but yeah so the strikeouts are really what jump out with him so he's throwing three different types of fastballs at least according to you know the the, the numbers that are out there and it's the cutter he's added that really seems to have made a difference now, baseball yeah. prospectus, we have our own like ERA estimator. It's called DRA, which is deserved okay. run average. It's a little bit higher than the other, like, you know, the expected ERA C, but it's still a 343, which is really good. And the other thing about Keller, you know, even if the ERA jumps, I, I think the strikeout jump holds. So he, he's a definite, you know, ADP jumper in those second ch- chance drafts and, and somebody who I, I think most of this is, is real. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, I worry about like the team context. Uh, Pirates had a really bad month of May, although they finished with a decent road trip. But uh, yeah, uh, that that might be tricky. But yeah, Keller's really skyrocketed in the ADP. He's uh, at 84 overall. He's pitcher 41, but that includes relievers and starters. He's in the same territory as like Bryce Miller, Pablo Lopez, Hunter Green, Joe Musgrove, who got a good start today, uh, and ahead of Shane Bieber, who got smacked around pretty good yesterday. And overall, his strikeouts are down. So wait, that are, that may, that sounds like pitchers are going a lot higher. Like, and I know they always go high at NFBC, but it sounds like they're going even higher than they did at the beginning of the season, at least in the non-main event leagues. I think you're right, and I think the reason for that is that uh, I mean, so many pitchers have gone bad. The milk's gone bad on them, so it's taken away guys that we normally would have included in that and felt like, okay, there, man, I don't. There's just not enough guys out there I can get right. Uh, you know. You know, Alec Manoa, I can't use him anymore. Lance Lynn, can't use him anymore. Spent way too much bandwidth talking about those two jokers. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I have both of them in my my longstanding, like, local league, and, yeah, they, yeah. they've killed me. Yeah, Manoa in particular, I have in too many places. Lance Lynn, I traded him in AL Tout Wars this week to Larry Schechter, so, and he actually initiated the conversation. I wasn't even peddling him, but... Uh, so I've got that at least going for me that I got Akil Badu. But the fact is, I got I settled for Akil Badu because he's playing like the next two weeks against a bunch of left a bu- against a bunch of righties. So I'm excited about just getting some playing time. I mean, that's 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 where I am with Lance Lynn. How are you doing there? Are you like how's your, uh, where are you overall? Uh, be, there's only 12 teams, so I can't be 13th. 
Okay. Well, I mean, so when you're in that position, like, um, like Frank Stample in, in labor was at the bottom of it. I'm not calling out Frank is actually of CBS sports. He's a good guy, but mm-hmm. he made a trade where, you know, he, he got Matt Mervis like right as Matt Mervis was getting called up. And I, I think some people from the outside might've thought he gave up too much, but sometimes when you're in that position, you just have to kind of, you know, make those like deep bombs and, and hope they get caught. You know, usually the Hail Mary is an incomplete pass, but there's right. no glory in finishing 12. So you just have to kind of take those risks. So yeah, just something I think from the outside might not make sense, but you know, all politics are local as, as you like to say. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is too, and Frank's a two-time defending champ of the tout wars head to head league. So obviously he knows, yeah, how he to knows play. what he's doing. Yeah. Um, it, it's yeah. It, it, when you get in a tough spot, you, you got to figure out, okay, is this, do I wait? Do I wait for these guys to come around or is it time for more drastic measures? And I think you always have to make that decision. And uh, in that, that case, it sounded like he needed to do a more of a drastic measure. I kind of made one too. And I actually had gotten three good starts in a row out of Lynn. So I was kind of happy just to, it was like selling a boat. I was happy to get, you know, get it off my hands. Um, and the timing worked out well. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been, you've been in a position with pitchers. Like, yeah, I get it. They're, they're probably get better, but like if, if I don't get something for them, and like you said, the milk goes completely bad and I've just got to throw it out. Then I got nothing. And it, it, I know it's psychological, but we've all, we've all done it. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you're wrong about that too. But, uh, you know, as I was talking with, uh, Rick, uh, Rick and Glenn on their show on Sirius XM, they had me on the other day. And one of the things that came up, is like, you know, when do you make that decision? Like I cut Jake McCarthy in the NFPC when he got sent down, like a week after he got sent down, I just couldn't wait. They picked him up this past week, and I, you know it's a mistake maybe I made, but you can't be afraid to make mistakes either. You know you you've got to keep, you know sometimes it, 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 there's the opportunity cost of getting a good starter otherwise or getting a good player that you just because I was holding on to this other play. Well, you got you can't lose by inaction either. Well, that's the other thing about an FBC. And like I when I started playing like an issue with TGFBI, I kind of learned that the hard way. Like you can't sit on two or three players on reserve for very long. Like it just has no, so much opportunity costs. Like you wind up putting a bad starting pitcher into your lineup. You wind up putting a platoon hitter or a Rocky on the road or whatever it is. You you need a bench. And you know, yes, you can hold on to one player and there, there are some no brainers. I completely see why you dropped McCarthy. Like it, it just didn't really make sense in that format to, to hold on to him. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is you'll make mistakes and your competitors will make mistakes too. But if you, you know, sometimes that action is better than, you know, I think usually on average you're doing better by acting than by remaining uh, static there. So that's the way it's always worked out for me in the past. Yeah. I, I used to like, so, you know, being like a tout person and like a deep league person with unlimited reserves, I used to hate those rules. Like, of mm-hmm. you, you know, no IL and a limited bench. I, I really like it now. Like, I find it challenging. Like, I like the idea, like you said, that everybody's going to make mistakes. Uh, and, and it's just one of those things where you have to kind of decide, like, okay, if I drop this guy and someone picks him up, like, can I live with it? Like, that's it's kind of fun. Yep, it is. It is. And I like that I have different types of leagues, too. Uh, all these things I like. Uh, let's continue with our you know, diamond or cubic zirconia list. Uh, Tyler Wells mentioned in the chat as well. He wasn't, he was barely even drafted pick 481 on average. Uh, you've gotten quite a run out of Tyler. Well, so far, if you've rostered him, maybe if you even picked him up, uh, 61 K's and 63 innings, which isn't, it's just well above his K rate from the past, uh, 0.825 ERA. I mean, he does give up some hard contact from time to time of the pitchers on this list. I think he, his status is probably the shakiest, but, uh, what's your take on Tyler Wells? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I you're probably right. There's one other name that might be close, but that's just because of the team context. In terms of the player, you're absolutely right. Uh, when you break down the numbers, he looks to me more like a home streamer than anything else, you know, thanks to the park. And, you know, in my notes, I said, don't tell Shane Bieber not to pile on him because, you know, Bieber got hit there anyway. Um, yep. But even so, it just feels like regression's coming. So Wells does generate a lot of weak contact. Um, but even so, like all the batted ball data looks a lot like last year's batted ball data. Mm-hmm. I think he's more of a four ERA guy going forward and and I think more of a deep mix play. And in anything shallower than that, like kind of a streamer, you know, you start him at home, uh, you know, you move him in and out in a 10 or 12 team league because I think he'll still be out there or should be out there on on reserve. You know, the, the badness with him, I know we look at Babbitt less than we used to, but they're so low. Like it, it just seems like impossible that it's, it's going to stay that way. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, speaking of Tal Wars and that team, I do have Tyler Wells, but I also had Grayson Rodriguez, unfortunately. Uh, is Grayson, Grayson Rodriguez a cut now that he's been sent back down? I mean, in, in anything but only yes, like Tout is only, so I think you kind of have to hang on to him there. I don't know who else you'd, you'd pick up. Maybe you, yeah. know, you know something I don't know about your league, but even in a 15-team mix, I, I think at this point you have to drop him. He could be back in two or three starts, but there's still no guarantee that he's going to be good. Like, we just don't know, and that's a tough thing with rookie pitchers. I think eventually he'll be good. Like, it, there's there's too much talent there. Um, and a lot of his struggles, like something else I picked up today from listening to Derek and Van Riper and Eno is, you know, it, he's kind of throwing the cutter at inopportune times and he's got to kind of work on that, but I don't want him working on that while he's on my team. I think I'll just, you know, cut my losses and, and go after him next year. That sounds about right. That's not, that, you see that a lot of times a guy gets sent down, fix figures it out or figures that out in the bigs eventually, but yeah. It's, you know, post-hype sleepers work for pitchers as well as hitters too. So that's, I, I think that's the route to take as well. Um, yeah, let's I, look at, I an, think it's even, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think it's even t- tougher with pitchers than hitters just because, you know, a hitter you know, goes over 20 and it hurts. But if a pitcher puts up like a 70 RA with, with a bad whip, it, it just can destroy your team. Indeed. Indeed it can. Marcus Stroman on Memorial Day pitched a one-hit complete game shutout. The one hit wasn't even that hard of contact. Wander Franco had a little flare out to left field. Uh, Stroman's pitching very well. He was picked 250, so it wasn't like he was completely out of the blue, but he's definitely overachieved even that, though, still. Uh, and, you know, he's interesting because he could be a free agent at the end of the year. Says he doesn't want to get traded by the Cubs, but a trade could still happen. Yeah, it could. So the thing with him, part of the key to success is his sliders has historically been his best pitch. And I mean, I mentioned Mike Ahedo of, of base of BP before who wrote about this last year. You know, he said, Hey Marcus, you should throw your slider more. Well, he's doing that. I don't know if Marcus reads, you know, my guess right, but um, that's helped him. And the other thing, if you look at the heat maps, like he's, th- he is throwing the ball lower or he's, I don't know if he's generating more sink or he's just, you know, starting with a lower release point. But last year in the heat maps, there was more in the middle of the zone. This year, there's a little bit like kind of middle low, but it's almost all low. That's why he's keeping the ball on the ground. It's always a fine line. I don't overstate this, but, you know, I, I could see him with a mid three and he's still going to have a low K rate. So so that's always like kind of something to watch with Stroman. I don't know what the Cubs are going to do. Like, it's really weird because I, I know Stroman's mate has said he wants to come back and he seems like a player that they should sign like we know they have the money we know despite the results this year they want to compete but i don't know what's going to happen yeah i actually expected better things from them this year too uh i thought they'd be 
you know, quietly, I thought they'd be better than the Brewers. Um, I thought the Cardinals, but I also thought the Cardinals would run away with the division, and that obviously isn't happening either. So I've, I've just been wrong about the division a lot, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I think, and it seems like Stroman has felt very comfortable there. And you can't have, I, I think that's kind of an important thing sometimes, too. You know, being able, you know, we see like what he's doing with his pitches, but being able to like help be able to figure that out in Chicago has seemed seemingly worked for him. So that's another thing I'm kind of like, you don't want to necessarily see him change that venue because it, it might not be better elsewhere. Yeah, we've seen that with pitchers who get traded at the deadline. Like sometimes it works and then sometimes, you know, new pitching coach, new catcher, and, you know, all of a sudden, and I think more so for someone who isn't a high velocity pitcher, that's where it goes sideways. Like if somebody's throwing like 96, 97 and they move, it's like, okay, well, yeah, they have to get rid, you know, used to a new catcher, but it's not the same as if you're throwing like 92, 93, you know, you're working right. with movement, you know, you need a, a good framer and yeah, then, then it can be difficult. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I, if you think you should be selling high on Stroman, what can you ask for? You mean for fantasy or the Cubs? Well, let's start fantasy. Uh, and then maybe we can look at the Cubs too. Well, fantasy, I, I would probably try to look for somebody maybe like outside the top 100, but maybe not too far for a hitter. You know, just see if somebody looks at that ERA, looks at the results. What's a little bit tough about the sell high is that the strikeouts are low. Somebody might come back and say, hey, I get it. He's performing well, but I'd rather get a pitcher with, you know, with closer to a strikeout an inning or even better than that if I'm going to trade for a pitcher. But it doesn't hurt to start there, right? Because really, right. You, you always ask if somebody shoots you down, you can say, well, you know what? I tried. Yeah. It's funny is, and probably this is because he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. Stroman is uh, on average going at like pick 174 in the second chance draft. So not too far from his main event uh, ADP, at least in comparison to the other risers that we've seen. You know, he he's definitely earlier, but not like considerably so. Yeah, and I, I think what it comes down to is roster construction. Like, I, I feel that for your first three starters, you do want to try to get those strikeouts and, you know, have that locked in. You know, it, it's funny on my talent team. I mean, it's not ha-ha funny, but I, I hmm. got Justin Verlander, uh, <laughs> Max Fried, and Robbie Ray. Those are my front three in, in Town Wars. And the, the pitching's done okay because I have Stroman and Chris Bassett. They were my next two pitchers. But strikeouts are where I'm struggling, and that's that's why because I was trying to get those strikeouts on the front end, and you know it didn't really work out. And they're still in third place, so pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I mean the problem there is I'm um, you know Mullins is hurt now. Cedric Mullins is hurt for me too, so I'm struggling in steals and strikeouts. And you know, as you pointed out, I didn't do it deliberately like Doug Dennis did. It's difficult to play an eight-category game, you know, even if you fall into it like I did by by mistake. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause you're not dominating. You know, you're doing well in the hitting, but you're not dominating it. So yeah, that, that's right. the tricky part there. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Got another picture on our list. Uh, and that is, uh, I think it was undrafted. Now what nary a single NFBC main event draft was he taken? That's Bryce elder, uh, for the Braves and elder. I mean, he was not the highest touted young guy. I mean, Schuster was touted higher. Dylan Dodds was touted higher. Elder, all he's done so far in 11 starts is uh, post a 192 ERA, a, a 1.157 whip, and 56 Ks in 65 innings. Only three wins to show for all that, but keep in mind he wasn't on the big league roster to start the season. So 
of all the names that you gave me, this is the one I just, I know he's doing well, but I don't trust it at all. Like I, I'm just really feel skeptical. Uh, if mm -hmm. I had him, I certainly would, you know, obviously hang on to him and not just give him away and trade. But if someone came to me wanting to trade by Bryce Elder, I'd probably be like, yeah, you're, you should go to somebody else. Like you're not going to get what you're looking for. Um, he is generating a lot of ground balls and he's kind of a, a death by slider pitcher where he's just throwing a ton of sliders. But the weird thing is the hard hit data is still really high and even higher than it was last year. And then the other thing, too, is, you know, I, I don't think it's definite, but if he struggles at all, you know, you just mentioned it. Atlanta has some other options and they're they're competing. So it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if Elder has you know a couple bad starts or goes on a bad run if there's a quick hook for him. So those are my concerns. Like, I get it. He's done really well, but. If you can't sell high on him, I, I would do it. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I think it might be harder to do, like you said, uh, because the yeah. name value wasn't there in the first place. You're not, you're not even a veteran, so it's not even like uh, Stroman where you have a little name recognition. Uh, but, you know, funny thing is Bryce Elder has been involved in a ton of trades. I'm looking, I pulled up the the Yahoo page, uh, and they have a good, you know, trades involving this player that have been made and there's some interesting ones there and i don't know about how the contract situations worked out but you know there's 25 trades involving bryce elder so far today alone and spencer steer guy we talked about earlier is one of them in a straight up trade uh david robertson's been uh, dealt straight up francisco lindor that's crazy right there i mean that you know yeah. i i know that he's been struggling but come on you know, he's, you know, this is, yeah. that, that to me is wild to see that, that, that sort of return. Now, I don't know if there's some salaries involved in that in the keeper format or something, but that, man, that's just crazy. I, I have to say that that has to be a keeper thing because I, I can't imagine otherwise. Yeah. Lindor's struggled. I mean, he's picked it up a little bit lately, although some of that was, was the core series, but yeah, I, 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 I if you make that, that trade straight up in a redraft, you're, you're a genius. Yep. I saw a Bryce for Bryce rookie trade elder for Miller. Uh, you know, I, I'd rather have Miller than Elder, uh, even though Miller just got crushed by the Yankees this week. But still, I think I'd take Bryce, Mover, uh, Bryce Miller over Bryce Elder. Yeah, I, I think I would too. Although, yeah, Miller's got some regression coming, but the difference there is I, I believe a lot more in Miller. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same way. I mean, the Braves really need Elder. They're, they're in a position where if he fails, I mean, then they're really relying on making some sort of deal because Soroka might be a little shaky. Schuster had one strikeout against the A's yesterday. He did get the win, but he was dodging raindrops the whole start. Uh, they're they're really kind of, and even Charlie Morton as your number two is a little shaky. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good point. Like it is easy for me to say that he's going to regress or, or they'll pull him, but you're you're absolutely right. Like un, unless they you know find another way, or unless you know he just got promoted, AJ you know Smith Shaver winds up in the rotation which is not a certainty like i we've seen the spencer strider comparisons but yeah i don't think you can say he's going to be the next spencer strider like there's only one you know pitcher like that exactly exactly um and i i think i might have even made the comparison a little bit just because the you know start him off in the bullpen and move him to the rotation yeah it's the old larry durker whitey you know earl weaver sort of way of bringing pitchers along but uh yeah it, it, just because they're doing it doesn't make them the same yeah, the the Rays did it with David Price like way back when I remember. But you're you're right. Like it, it's not always a successful formula, and and some pitchers like really struggle with that. Like they don't like being the bullpen after spending all their time in the minors in the rotation. Right. Exactly. So uh, 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, good luck. And, you know, I guess there is a market out there for Bryce Elder. Uh, I just didn't think it was that robust. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe uh, we're, we're playing in different types of leagues, Mike. And viva la difference again. Yeah, I mean, I, leagues like that are kind of fun when there's a lot of trading. Like, I, I get that we're all looking for an edge in the industry league, so we don't trade very much. But I do miss leagues like way back when where you just pick up the phone and, you know, I say phone and make a deal with somebody within like half an hour. Yeah, well, Ian Khan still does that. He calls me all the time in uh, in XFL. Um, if you haven't been on the other end of an Ian Khan phone call, but uh, just just play in one league with him and you will. Uh, and it, it is a more efficient way of getting trades done. I, I like it. And plus, you get to talk to somebody. It's it's you know keeping in touch with yeah. your friends. Yeah, there's a couple of people I still do that with in my my home league, and, and it is nice. It's a nice just to you know shoot the breeze for a few minutes. Even if you don't make a trade, it's just nice nice to shoot the breeze and talk baseball. That that rehab uh, game I went to with Stanton and Donaldson. That I went with a league mate, and you know we didn't even talk to nice. him. It was just nice you know, sitting there with them in the nice weather, you know northeast weather for a couple hours, and in, in the you know as the sun was going down and, and talking baseball. Talking ball, catching up with the families, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, you know my original league. Yeah, it's like. We started when we were in college. Now our kids are going to college. It's kind of crazy. Uh, and so, yeah, my, my league, my league is, I mean, it's, I have, it's Billy Allman named after the baseball player, Brown graduate. Oh, yeah. Cause it was originally Brown university. And I, I did not go to Brown and I joined that league about 10 years in, like in, in the mid nineties. So that's how long I've been in it. That's how old I am. I was a young pup when I started and yeah, like the people in there now, like, you know, their kids, they have little kids, their kids are grown, like they're out of the house. It, it's just wild. Like, you know, watching people like grow up in, in those leagues over the years. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. Um, uh, you know, I love holding on to long traditions like that, have a golf trip like that, you know, have this league, have a golf league that's over 20 years. It's pretty cool. I like it. Um, so, Hey, uh, what do you got cooking up at BP next? What's your next, uh, feature coming up? Well, I do a fab column, um, every, every week, you know, I mentioned that it comes, yep. it's actually a retrospective fab. So I cover TGFBI and, and what went on there as well as, uh, uh, tout ale and, and labor NL, uh, this today I, I publish every Thursday, like kind of a freelance column today. It was looking at like small samples in April versus small samples in May. Like, why do we pay attention more to the April samples over the May samples? Mm -hmm. I haven't decided what we're going to write about next week, but I was thinking about writing about two start pitchers, you know, kind of when they're good, when they're bad. I know the conventional wisdom is kind of almost always to go with a two start arm. I've been skeptical that over the years. I just need to pull together some, some research to kind of really dig into it. If I do decide to go that route. And then uh, we have our podcast flags fly forever. It was on hiatus last year, but uh, we're back. That's me, uh, John Hagland, who is also a good player in his own right. He was yes. he won TGFBI the first year. was at the Champions League. I think he was in, in tout for a couple of years. Um, and then our producer, Samuel Hale, who, who's a radio guy from Texas. So we we have that going. We're actually recording tonight. Um, we went once a week in the preseason. We're kind of doing every two weeks or so during the season. Awesome. So flags fly forever. Make sure to check that out. Download it, get it, or, or, or flat, and you know, mark it too, so you can get a notification when it comes up. There, uh, we'll hit up a couple of questions before we go. Uh, Heart Foundation says need some help with Mullins going down, and or starting pitching help with Steele going down. Should I go with Hassan Kim or Jack Sawinski or Luiotti Tavares, uh, Siri, and then for you know Bailey Ober for Steele? Let, let's talk. Let's talk about the hitting guys uh, there. Hassan Kim, Jack Sawinski, Leody uh, Tavares, or Jose Siri. Who do you like best among that group? 
Well, I mean, some of that depends on what you need in terms of steals or power, but I think I like Sawinski. Like, I get that he's streaky, but he offers a little bit of both. Um, it sounds like that's a deep enough situation where you're not really worried about the lineup. You're just more worried about overall production. So I think I'd take my chance with Sawinski. Hope you get into another hot streak. And, you know, if you don't, then look looking at those other names, it sounds like you might be able to find somebody else on the wire. Yeah, I agree. Uh, saw some people chatting up uh, Ben Lively. Um, you know, had a gem against the uh, Red Sox, uh, and he's been pitching well since calling up, shut out the Mets in his first call up. Triple A numbers are actually pretty good. He pitched in Korea for a while after being kind of a 4A pitcher before that. Are you buying his renaissance? I mean, probably not. He's still probably a streamer, but I, I will say, like, from the limited amount I've seen, he looks better. He was a Phillies prospect, and something with the Phillies yep. is his fastball just wasn't that good, and that kind of was his problem. It looks like he's – and you've seen him more than I have, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like he's working more off his off-speed stuff and less off the fastball, and it's working. I don't know how long it'll work, but it could be a situation where in the short term – he's okay because major league hitters haven't seen him because he's been in Korea and you kind of ride the wave until it doesn't work, which at, at some point it probably won't. Yeah. I think there's a continuing trend though of pitchers that do better when they throw their fastball less. Uh, it seems like that that's one of those ongoing things, even with like Bobby Miller in his debut first inning, he threw a lot of fastballs and everyone's like, Ooh, throws 97, 98, whatever, or a hundred even. And then it's like, well, I did better once they stopped calling fastballs. Yeah. So go figure. Yeah, I think it's definitely a sequencing thing. And you're right. Like whenever I look at the graphs, you know, or fan graphs, that's what you see. You see pitchers, a lot of pitchers, it, you know, it's not all the way down, but it's not like five, 10% of the fastball and then, you know, five, 10% up on everything else. Indeed. Indeed. Right. Um, so, yeah, well, and you're right. It is sequencing. It's, uh, it, it's trying to get uh, mapping, you know, it's trying, trying to get the tunneling right. So people think it's the same pitch and all that. So uh, there you go. Um, I think that'll cover it. Uh, Make sure to hit up Mike Gianella on Twitter at Mike Gianella. Hit myself up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. Of course, check out uh, both Baseball Prospectus and Rotowire. You can check out Rotowire for the Rotowire free trial at rotowire.com slash pod. Mike, awesome talking with you today. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks a lot. I hope to have you on our podcast sometime. I don't think we've ever had you on, so we, I yeah. owe you a guest spot. I'd love to do it. And that's Flags Fly Forever. Make sure to check that out where you find your podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Two-star starters coming up tomorrow with Todd and Clay. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.